Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com. And I'm joined tonight by Christina Warren, Senior Content Project Manager at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic Candidate for Congress. Yeah. And boy, do we up. have like the most fun show for you tonight. <laughs> I would say that every single topic. Do. I mean, they're meaty. This is a good show. Yeah, I mean, fun is the word that I use. Good is the word that you use. I consider those different things. But yeah, <laughs> it'll be a good one. <laughs> I think it'll be good and fun. I mean, they're, they're not always the same, but I think it'll be both good and fun. This is this is a meaty episode of Rocket, I would say, though I am perhaps not as prepared for this show as I should be today, <laughs> thanks to Charles Tan, because oh, no. like I got to tell of you, the Super Mario Two, the Super like NES class, the NES classic. So, do you, uh, Christine? You know this feeling when you've got the old school NES skills, yep. like from the '90s when we did yep. it one tile at a time. And like NES games would just break a modern person. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you just can't, you just can't roll that way. Uh, so like, there's something about booting up Super Mario 2 and just like having like my husband just being like, hey, watch this. And like your ninja skills of being able to beat yep. the game and speed run it in 20 minutes and his mouth is just wide He's open. He's just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so it, it's funny too because in some ways the NES Classic Edition and the the Famicom uh, Classic are better than say um, I played a lot of the games on my NES. But the same year I got my Super Nintendo, um, they came out with this uh, a Super Mario All Stars, which was yep. like uh, enhanced versions of of um, all four Mario games, including the Lost Levels, which was what was released as two in Japan. Yep. And um, so what what made that game, what made the Super Nintendo version better is that you could restart from different save points. Like they had save yep. points built in and they also gave you more lives by default. They gave you five lives instead of three. And so it was weird for me when I was like playing the NES Classic because they don't give you the five lives. Even the Game Boy Advance version of Mario 3 was like the Super Nintendo version. And and, yep. and, and they don't do that. It's like the old school. And, and they also like you can do a save point if you do it at a certain place, but if you don't do that, like you've got to start all over again. And like, you're right. Like, those things can like darkness. break you. Mario dies in darkness. Yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> there are all the, bu- uh, the bugs. Like if you're a really serious super Mario two player, you know, when to like rip up the vegetable to make like a projectile go through you. And like a lot of those like tricks of like warping down the bottom of the yep. screen and exploiting bl- bugs. They don't work on the SNES version, but this is not an SNES podcast. This is a security <laughs> podcast. Not, not this week. week. It, will, it, I will mean, be. it will be until yeah. your SNES is hacked. And then your I don't know here. Your, your Mario <laughs> saves are deleted. There's no internet connection on them. So it's fine. It yeah. can still happen, Christina. So uh, this week we're talking about the hacking of some U.S. nuclear power plants, uh, oh, which it has God. come out was committed by Russian government hackers. Um, and what happened, to give a little context here, the, the part of the power plants that were hacked was the basically the administrative system, so not actual controlling of any of the mechanisms, things like that. But it obviously raises some very serious security concerns, both about future future moves that might happen there, and also because Russia, Russian government hackers have a history of targeting electrical grids and power sources, as they did in Ukraine in 2012. Um, 
there was a, an electrical outage there that was caused by hackers that left hundreds of thousands of people without power. So obviously, and the U.S. has also committed um, hacks in, in Iran that left Stuxnet. That, yeah, that left people, yeah. uh, or that that sorry, disabled nuclear power plants. So there, there, there's a lot of historical precedent for uh, messing around. In, a, in the global hacking space, but this was a, a obviously close to home because it was U.S. power plants that were hacked, and it raises a lot of questions about security, uh, the government security moving forward, and um, what is up on that, that great uh, I, I, I just political. want to add one more thing to that. Yeah. Another thing, uh, I believe this was reported by the Washington Post, but another thing that um, they did was they are finding critical like systems controllers, uh, you know, people that have just like social hacking, those people. And, you know, for a lot of people, if you went through all of their email or financial stuff, like if you hacked their life, like blackmail is completely possible for I'm people like that. I'm glad that you said that because this is yeah. what I was thinking about. And I didn't want to sound like a, like a, uh, what's the, who was the guy in the 60s who was a jerk who created the blacklist? <laughs> you know, oh. the movie Good Night and Good Luck. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, God, I can't believe McCarthy. McCarthy. I didn't want to sound yeah. like Joseph McCarthy. No, I'm just talking I, that was about what my the immediate Washington thought Post was, like, was reporting. If yeah. what they hacked was the administrative side, they were looking at people's uh, commonly used websites, looking at passwords yep. and trying to go through basically the hiring, using the hiring process to hack individuals who worked at power plants. Yeah. Obviously, the the place that my mind jumped to was, well, they don't have access to actual plant mechanisms because those aren't on the open internet, but they have access to people who have access to those systems, which is also just not great. So, you know, here in Boston, um, I I was curious. I'm like, is this going to affect us? Like, we're a pretty green, you know, environmentally conscious place. And, you know, I found out that there are actually two nuclear power plants uh, around Boston. Uh, they're within the the kill radius of it. So, you know, this is, this is to me, a really, really big deal. And, you know, I just want to say this. I'm not trying to talk about this subject today as anything that's partisan at all. I don't think national security is partisan. It should like end at the United States border. But this is this is a really, really, really serious problem. And, you know, we've got to get very serious about solving it from a policy perspective. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Bree. And and it's I mean, what's what's so fascinating? I mean, as the the New York Times article that kind of discussed what had happened said, you know, they they interviewed um, uh, John uh, Wellinghoff, who's the former chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and he basically said that, um, you know, even after Stuxnet, which was perpetrated by the United States, you know, it was a worm yep. that, that went in, in, into Iran and, and was able to kind of wreak havoc there. And that was eight or nine years ago. Um, he said, you know, that they really should have been better prepared for these sorts of incidents. And, and we weren't. Like he said in an interview with The Times, he said, we never anticipated that our critical infrastructure controls would be facing advanced levels of malware. And the but the fact that, you know, the United States uh, and, and Israel started the, you know, the use of malware you know, nine years ago, I think, kind of belays that point. It, so, like, in retrospect, this is from The Times. In retrospect, Mr. Wellinghoff said that the attack should have been foreshadowed, uh, the threats the United States would face for its own infrastructure. And, so, like, that to me is what's so telling, not only that we don't have any sort of legislation or anything around this, 
But the fact that our own people, like our, our own very intelligent, you know, uh, uh, OPSEC people and, and counterintelligence people, you know, created Stuxnet and, and infiltrated Iran's system that way. But yet we didn't do anything to protect ourselves and our own systems. Yeah. It's like you would, it's it, it just, it's uh, it's unfathomable to me. It, it's kind of, sh- it's kind of shocking. It would be kind of like, okay, you know, I, I hacked somebody's computer, but I leave my passwords as, you know, as, as password. <laughs> no, that's exactly like, it. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of pride, m- misplaced pride in our country's national security that is, you know, being having holes poked in it right now and yeah i I think that yeah Yeah. i mean i think when it comes to bombs and missiles and jets and guns like we are really good at that like we have defense contractors that do some of the best work in the world like if you talk to people at boeing um it's it's just shocking like what they're doing i think cybersecurity is something we are failing at Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a few years ago, they got rid of the office in the federal government that kind of has oversight and looks at, you know, code that reviews code and looks at systems and makes sure that they're secure. Why that happened is simply beyond my understanding. Um, and this is a story. I mean, I can you guys tell me if you've heard this? Have you heard about what's happened to Merck here in Boston? No, Do you know no, about this? Haven't heard this about this. This is huge, and I don't understand why this isn't a front page story, uh, at least in the Boston Globe. So, you know, Merck. If for those of you that aren't like following the pharmaceutical industry, this is one of the big pharmaceutical conglomerates on the planet. Like you know, Pfizer. Um, you know, Novartis, one of the really, really big ones. And it's also one of the biggest employers here in Boston. So Merck was hit by a ransomware attack in June that has completely shut down that company. And Oof. you can go drive past their plant in Boston, and all of their employees are on paid leave. It's the most eerie thing in the world to see, like, this really important, you know, economic institution in Boston, just the parking lot completely empty. Because they got, you know, shut down by an encryptionware attack. And, you know, at a certain point, you know, this is, I mean, I realize that getting like private industry to not click on things with malware, that's a hard problem for the government to solve. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's no leadership whatsoever with this, right? I mean, we don't have a way to, you know, kind of, you know, stop these things or regulate them or, you know, really even look into them after they happen. And the thing I think that concerns me so much about this, to kind of circle back to your point about more traditional arms, which we are great at, is that you have to have resources to accomplish that. And I feel like it is a lot easier. I mean, you have to have education to create malicious code you have to have access to machines but that's a lot easier to come by than say some refined plutonium it's not (laughs) lying around everywhere but i mean but this is i where anyone can really theoretically get a foot in the game and it's where we're lagging behind i i think that's super well said and you know the thing is I I really do believe, and Christine, I'd love your take on this, but I I believe that as we move forward, I believe fewer and fewer wars are going to be fought with, like, giant tanks roaming across Europe. I think that, 
you know, look at the way we've dealt with Russia, which is primarily economic sanctions. You know, when we talk about full spectrum warfare, a lot of that is like shutting down a company's economy, its communication infrastructure, its uh, financial infrastructure, and all of those things are vulnerable to hacking. So, you know, when I see that our nuclear power plants are being targeted, I mean, really think through what would happen if, I mean, even if it didn't go nuclear, what if that just went offline and we Uh, couldn't trust that we would have electricity here in the United States? I mean, really think about that. That's scary. It's, um, you know, there's a a film in the 70s called The China Syndrome, and uh, and it freaked a lot of people out from nuclear power for a long time. And and in that case, it was it was a different sort of, you know, attack sort of situation. But I think you're right. I mean, it would it could be catastrophic for for so many things. You know, if if any part of the grid is to go offline, you know, I mean, it it would be it would be catastrophic. I mean, and and uh, yeah, Uh, that the sort of thing that not too far distant future, you know, dystopic novels could be written about. The kind of story that makes you want to buy a generator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, for That's real. not a bad thing to own in Boston. I mean, you know, I've thought so much about this and how we can, how we can, like, I've got a plan for how we can, like, address privacy. This is a much tougher one mm-hmm. because you want to, like it's not going to be good for private business if like the federal government comes in and you know like lectures you about what your technology infrastructure could yeah. should be like that's not going to be good but when it comes to a nuclear power plant i don't know if we need i mean like the department of homeland security is so hyper politicized i don't know if there's another department that we need to fund that mm-hmm. can go you know look at the codes here we're going to do a story later in the show about Same with know, the NSA. The i mean they have a terrible yeah. reputation but i mean this report comes from the fbi and the nsa yeah exactly yeah. i mean maybe we need to give them jurisdiction maybe we need to allocate emergency funding so they're not using windows 7 you know <laughs> some or, of the or, stuff, or at least yeah. or at least like have them like have it budgeted to get updates you know i mean yeah. It, it, yeah. It, you can use an older operating system as you're still getting the updates i mean you know windows 7 would be okay or whatever but you know what i mean like yeah like at least have or at least have a staff on board to be looking at these things i mean mm-hmm. yeah have your networks hardened, have your have the experts that we possess so many of in the United States, have them be talking to them and be in conversations with them. Um, yeah. and, and have your right hand talking to your left hand. You know, if you've got members of the NSA or, or whatever planning attacks other peop at other places, maybe have them talk to the the the, the IT folks or, or or the security folks at our own facilities to make sure that we're protected against whatever they're trying to do. You don't have to share the details per se. You don't have to say we're doing this someplace else, but just Give a look of checks and balances to say, okay, if, if we were to to you know unleash this sort of thing, would our own system survive if we're coming back on us? I, I, I don't think that seems unreasonable. Mm-hmm. I, I can see like you know mandating that the people implementing those kind of attacks you need to be talking to Microsoft, like, and you can yeah. put them under NDA. Like, you know, make sure you're only talking to people with security clearance, but make sure in future, you know, Windows 10 updates that it's going to be hardened about that. Yeah. You know, well, the, yeah. you're right. The hard thing, though, the, the thing that puts, you know, Microsoft and any other uh, major tech company kind of at a disadvantage is that you see this, and we've talked about this a few weeks ago, you see the hoarding of zero days yes. that the government is doing. So the government itself is hoarding zero days because they want to be able to use it for their own purposes. But by doing that, they end up putting themselves potentially at risk too. And I think that – so it's one thing to say, well, you should talk to the to the companies, and a lot of times they do. 
But usually how it goes is the government says, well, we want back doors. And, and the companies are like, well, we are not going to give you back doors. Right. Uh, but then it makes it worse when they're saying, OK, well, we would like we, we found these things, but we, we can't even trust them to kind of turn things over and say this is stuff that we found or maybe you can help fix this because, you know, many people in the same organizations are, are hoarding the zero day attacks in the hopes of using it someplace else. And it also I mean, the flip side of that coin is that. Even if there were NDAs between private employees and the government to discuss this openly, those private employees might still be vulnerable to hacking and sure. have information spilled. So we've created a, a very tangled web. Uh, oh, what a web we have woven! <laughs> I, I would say, I would say, getting high level security clearance is is pretty comprehensive, right? Yeah, and it doesn't make you invulnerable, but you know, if you're making it to that level, I mean, you're gonna. I, I don't know. I can see things around that, particularly since you're talking to security engineers. You know? yeah, so, yeah, theoretically, yeah. most people are very Yeah, but very it's, I mean, the issue is all of this is very, very hard to solve. Yes. And, you know, this isn't something with a really easy, straightforward solution. But I think we would all agree, no matter our party, like, this is important. And I, I, mm-hmm. I think important. this is – we've got to have – this be a higher um, you know, priority in the legislative process. And we've got to start taking this seriously. I mean, because what's our 10-year plan on this? Yeah. In China, uh, something I see every single time I see my father-in-law, it's really interesting to me because, you know, he grew up in China and, you know, he'll, he kind of gives you a glimpse into how they think and operate over there. And it's very much a 10, 20, 30-year plan. I don't think in the United States we have a, a one-year plan. <laughs> so I think it makes it very hard to prepare ourselves to the future. So I think this just has to be done. Yeah, I agree with you. And and, it ha- and, and I think this would be a very easy bipartisan thing to sell. You don't really have to get party lines involved or politics involved. It's just about making our stuff safer because it would be devastating for any systems to go offline. So please go talk be. to your Asian Congress rep about <laughs> – security hey you know what will help you plan for the future is text expander from our friends at smile (laughs) you can plan for the future by creating snippets for all the messages that you usually send and so then when it comes time to send the messages the messages will already be basically written you just like tap tap the short little snippet and then you get your message input onto your device you send that instead you're not typing out full messages like some some caveman in a cave typing full messages no you got snippets man get with the snippets you can communicate smarter with text expander it is perfect for standardizing and improving the written replies that you send every day helping you to eliminate boilerplate drudgery that is a sick band name (laughs) <laughs> that, that is a good band name. Eliminate Boilerplate. Oh my god, and Drudgery is their first album. With Text Expander, you can recall your best and most frequently used words and phrases by creating a keyboard shortcut and letting Text Expander do all the work. You could set up a snippet for your company's tagline, which is, of course, Eliminate Boilerplate Drudgery. An address or phone number, Eliminate at Boilerplace. In New, New Boiler, you know, because streets sometimes are named place, like Boiler Place. Okay, hmm, bad joke. Simone. Okay, let's move on. Maybe even a standard introduction that you use when emailing someone new. Ooh, and that's not all. 
That is not all. Text Expander can format dates, autocorrect misspellings, and even search your team's collected knowledge with a few letters and a hotkey. I had a really great typo today, and by great, I mean bad. So you know those typos where it's just like a phrase, and every single time you type it, you manage to misspell it? For me, it is the name of the song, One Winged Angel, and I kept (gasps) typing One Wingle over and over <laughs> every single time it'd be like one wingle no no what's a wingle i don't want to know what a wingle is anyway autocorrect misspellings with text expander and you won't tell people that you love one wingle you love one winged angel it's a very good song text expander can also help you collaborate better in tools like slack with text snippets share links faster by creating shortcuts to your favorite websites and even help keep your company on message by sharing your team's collected knowledge you don't want stan out there not towing company lines saying things that are foolish and inappropriate stan won't be a problem for you anymore stan's gonna have text expander if you spend any amount of your day typing, you need Text Expander. You can try it for 30 days on Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Windows by visiting textexpander.com slash rocket. Start your free trial today. Yeah, wow. I have to say, I've started using it on Windows. Yeah. It's good. Is it good? Is Heck it? Yeah. Is it? Text Expander for Windows is good, and it's nice because it all syncs across. So oh my the God. same expansions that I have on my Mac at home or, or whatever uh, works on Windows. So it's it's great. You know what's got to be awesome about being in Windows is, like, opening up Terminal and, like, all those old school 80s, like, DOS commands, like, being able to use them. And you could, like, do all the most awesome ones with Text Expander to, like, <gasps> help you look for stuff. That would be awesome. Christina's going to be an elite hacker with Text Expander. <laughs> Thank you, Text Expander, for your support of this show. So, Simone, before we go to the next topic, I yeah. want to give you an idea for a Uh-oh. multi-million view Polygon video. Uh-oh. I just want to put this out there for you. I'm scared. Get Simone de Rochefort singing One Winged Angel. Every yeah. bit mm. of it. Just all wild-eyed. And, yes, all of it. I would. I, Christina, would you share that video? Would you share that video? Yeah, I would share the hell out of that video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, my middle school friend, or sorry, my high school friends, who are also my middle school friends, have heard me do that too many times. They're turning off this podcast right now. <laughs> hey, now that we've scared everyone, let's talk about. How I guess they should be more scared also yeah. in their personal yeah. lives. Let's, let's but, scare them. Yeah. Let's scare everybody even more. Yeah. yeah. Are yeah. you ready to get frightened, Rocket listeners? I told you this was a, a good show. Okay, so Russell Brandom at The Verge wrote a piece today um, about how two-factor authentication, while wonderful, I will not debate that, um, was heralded as sort of uh, a band-aid for security problems. And now looking back on it in 2017 is very clearly not the the great one-stop security fix uh, that we that people may have hoped it would be, that we prayed it would be. Um, and then Brianna, you also linked me or linked us to this piece on ransomware in Windows 10 and the steps that Microsoft is taking to 
basically prevent to basically prevent ransomware from taking advantage of its software. So, I mean, that's that's a positive well, let's thing. Let's do let's do one at a time. Yeah, I one mean, at a time. One I, at a time. I have to be honest with you, Simone. I did not like this piece. Interesting. Uh, from the Verge. I thought. And, you know, Christian, I'd love to know your opinion, too. Sure. But, I mean, I thought it it had a good point. And I so the, the general gist of it is um, two-factor authentication is not a panacea. I think anyone in security would tell you that. Mm-hmm, right. Um, basically, uh, SMX, uh, SMS uh, TFA. Uh, is vulnerable. And I can Very. tell you, I mean, um, I mean, Christina, have you been targeted by this? Because I have. I've had I to have spend not. a lot I've been, of time. I've been very fortunate. I oh, have wow. not. But but uh, uh, my, my, my good friend Justin Williams just was like a couple of days ago. Um, somebody accessed his PayPal and his bank account and all um, he got was a new SIM card. He wrote about it on his own blog where he basically was using his phone he was going to the airport. He notices he has no signal and he's thinking, oh, well, it's just, you know, the, the, this area around the airport is just bad. And then he started, you know, noticing um, some weird stuff happening and he was able to, you know, get on the phone and, and uh, mitigate most of the damage. But it still was one of those things where somebody was able to call. They called a number of times and tried to basically get his um, account um, set to a new SIM without providing his secret key. But eighteen, yeah. but they eventually found someone who just didn't give them, who didn't require the secret key, <laughs> and uh, he was, and and his SMS was taken over, and at that point, then two factor for PayPal was 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 gone. And the problem is, is that you know, and I I agree with you. I I I, I didn't love the Verge piece, but I think that. One of the things that it points out is that a lot of places support 2FA, but they don't really support it the right way. So they're not using third-party apps like Authy or, or the Google Authenticator um, uh, API or, or anything else. They're just relying on SMS. And since SMS can be breached so easily, you know, it, it becomes not that useful. Um, and so all somebody needs is, is to basically take control of your SIM. And with um, social engineering, that's that's not difficult. And the the problem is, is, you know, you enable two-factor with PayPal, but PayPal only offers it through SMS. That's all they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're not even giving you an option to use a more secure, you know, uh, authenticator app-based service to do it. They're, they're literally just saying, well, we think SMS is good enough. And for something like PayPal, where it's often tied to your bank account or your credit cards or whatever, that can be really, really problematic. See, that's why I think it's worth talking about because – I feel like it is very easy, as always, to fall into that trap of, well, at least I have TFA on. Yeah. It might not be through Authy or through Google Authenticator, but at least I have TFA, or at least this company offers TFA, period, and many still don't, which he points out in the piece. And, like, Mm -hmm. the point isn't, obviously, that TFA is bad. It's that the way that we're implementing it is not necessarily the most... Um, efficient and that we need to be looking for the next thing that to layer on top of that because there are security vulnerabilities in what we have currently. And I I agree with that. But for people like us, I mean, you know, like, you know, Simone, you're well known, Christina, you're well known, I get targeted, you know, because of that. 
we do have to take more extreme steps than the general public just because like there are people that are trying to target us, right? Like I'm running for office. I have to carry around. I, I actually carry three phones everywhere I go. And one of You're them is so dedicated just for, I'm telling you, but one of them is like a secret phone number that I've had to set up with a different account and, you know, for the fake name I use for half of my stuff, like it's all, it's all there. Right. And it's that kind of like extreme, um, things that kind of public figures or high target people have to Mm do for most normal people. I hate advice like this because I think it, you know, like my husband, it has been a real fight to get him to start using just one password and like mm-hmm. randomly encrypted stuff because he's not security minded the way that we are. And I think for most normal people, TFA, even through SMS, is a really good solid step for most people. It has vulnerabilities, but it's still kind of an edge case. So that that was my big critique of this piece. Yeah, I don't think that people should avoid using certain websites, especially if you don't have a lot of enemies just because they only offer TFA through SMS. But I also don't want to let companies off the hook by thinking, oh, well, I mean, I did that. So I guess we're good on, we can tell people that we're good on security now because we offer this. Right. No, I agree with you. In the future, that might not be enough even for the ordinary person. Well, exactly. I was going to say in the future, I mean, the difficult thing is, is that if if you can, I mean, and this happens all the time. So even if you're not a famous or a targeted person, okay, case in point. So um, a a big cache of passwords or accounts gets leaked and revealed. Mm-hmm. And so now you have a bunch of usernames and emails and passwords. Now you probably use those for a lot of different things. Let's say you use those for PayPal. Let's say you use those for other things. Let's say, you know, you're the victim of, I mean, Adobe was one of the bigger breaches that happened, you know, years ago. And um I had to change a lot of passwords on that, even though it was a it was a different password for Adobe. I still because it was a, it was an email. I had to go through and 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 do a lot of stuff to make sure I wasn't going to get targeted with that. But let's just say you know you have one of those big caches of passwords that leak all the time. You know Yahoo Mail is a perfect example where a ton of passwords were recently leaked, right? And then you have people going through this and then trying with with PayPal. And, and getting information. Now, when these caches of passwords are leaked, a lot of times phone numbers are leaked too. And it's pretty easy to figure out who the carrier is on the phone number. And then you've got a name, you've got a phone number, you've got an email. That means all you've got to do is start calling um, you know, people on the phone, on these, these customer service representatives. And look, a lot, part of that is, comes down to training, but part of that too, if you have a big enough sob story and you say this is a life and death situation and whatnot, you can get the right person to give you the information. And then if you've really only got this SMS-based thing, somebody can now access your PayPal account. And you don't necessarily have to be someone that is 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 well-known who's targeted. This could just be people, you know, often in other countries, which makes it even harder to kind of track down, going through the list of, of um open email and, and phone number and other things that get released all the time. And so I, I I agree that I don't want anybody to take away from this, oh, well, if 2FA is not good, I shouldn't bother with anything because that's the wrong response. Mm-hmm. But I think that we should start holding companies, especially ones that have anything tied to your financial information, uh, to using more stringent two-factor things. And I also think that we should start holding um, cell phone companies accountable for those sorts of things and making it very clear 
what has to what information is needed to to deactivate or, or activate something else. I mean, I would rather have to go through the hassle of spending an extra five minutes on the phone to prove my identity when I call my carrier to get um, a, a new a new account added on mm-hmm. than have to worry about the fact that if somebody figures out my phone number, which is not difficult, and is able to figure out emails that I use for my accounts, which might be more difficult, that they can then maybe, you know, social engineer access. I I, I don't I don't want to have to be um always like kind of looking behind my back. Um and and I think that, you know, there's such an amount of human error on the SMS side. Um we should be asking and, and holding bigger companies, especially when it's related to financial stuff, accountable and and let them know, hey, you know, this SMS isn't enough. I mean, my bank, my own bank does SMS-based things. I think now they've started to do app-based stuff as well. But for a long time, they were doing SMS-based two-factor for larger transaction numbers. So they would basically, you know, text me a code if I wanted to transfer above a certain amount of money to someone mm-hmm. else. That's great. But that's also really bad if somebody figures out you know, is able to is able yeah. to hack into my life because now they <laughs> transferring can, money they can... is exactly what they would want to do. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess that kind of segues nicely. Speaking of companies taking responsibility into your topic, Bree, <laughs> if you want to introduce, sure. That. I mean, so I just want to tell Rocket listeners, you know, pretty much every time we talk about Microsoft on the show. I'm the one introducing the topic. It's not Christina's. Yeah, I just want you to know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this was this was my idea to talk about. So uh, basically, Microsoft is uh, they had a vulnerability last year with their enhanced migration uh, experience toolkit, uh, which is this really awesome suite of tools that kind of um, it makes it harder to like exploit uh, you know vulnerabilities in mass deployed systems. There was a bug in it with Microsoft Silverlight uh, where they were able to get around some low memory, um, you know, traps in it to like stop you from being able to, uh, you know, run basically ransomware code. But Windows 10 is uh, coming forward and they're re-implementing this. They patched the holes and it's, uh, you know, Ars Technica has a really good piece on this. It's got some really advanced things to kind of look at your computer and if ransomware starts to encrypt different folders that shouldn't be encrypt, that will like notice that and stop it dead in its tracks, uh, which is awesome. So, you know, I feel like um, I was talking to Politico today, Christina, about like a a really um, good turnaround story. Uh, and I feel like Microsoft is such a great example of that because, you know, you have the the things that Microsoft is so good at regarding, you know, ransomware and exploits. Like Windows has been the most attacked, like, operating system <laughs> for all of our lifetimes. And they're so good at it. And it it really makes me happy to see them, you know, really responding to this range of threats that have come out this year with some really smart features. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that you know when you have a responsibility of when you know a certain percentage of of computers in the world are running on your software and that makes you a big target, I think that makes it also uh, that puts the onus on on doing things you can to keep people out. And I'm I'm glad that 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 the company is doing that. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, I I uh, you know it, it I hope that it will it will help mitigate these sorts of things. The problem, of course, is that you have many, many, many millions, hundreds of millions of people running computers that are not ever going to update. 
Um, but I think this this really hopefully can help move people in a direction of saying, okay, updating is really important for a lot of reasons. And one of them is that if you continue to get the latest updates, you don't have to worry as much about about the ransomware because there will be things in place that will that will help stop it dead. And I and I you know and that's that's always a good thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, the one good thing I could say about the Trump administration is one sentence so far <laughs> is, you know, uh, they've done a lot of work uh, moving over to uh, you know, Microsoft cloud services for like government things to like stop, um, you know, basically it, it, it doesn't mean it's not vulnerable now, like move, moving live services to the cloud, but it does mean like you have basic Microsoft security on these things. At least it's one target that's centralized rather than, you know, a bunch of people just trying desperately to get their tech to work. So, I mean, I, I'm really heartened to see these steps. And I do think the government should be, you know, working with Microsoft where, you know, it can to try to, you know, basically make sure everything's secure. Government IT people must be the most overworked, stressed, sad people on this planet. Yeah, I wouldn't want that job. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Blue Apron. That's me yelling from the top of a mountain that's covered in sustainably sourced foods. Blue Apron is the number one <laughs> recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients brought to you by the mountain. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system. They set the highest standards for ingredients and they're building a community of home chefs. They don't live on the mountain. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. That is a, to use a non-Briana Wu-ism, trivial amount of time. Each meal comes with step-by-step, easy-to-follow, an easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-proportioned ingredients. You don't have to measure things. Ever again. And by shipping the exact amount of ingredients required for each recipe, Blue Apron's reducing food waste. Heck yeah. Imagine a ka-ching. Somebody put a, put a ka-ching sound effect in there, like a cash register closing for some reason. Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook, or they will make it right. Blue Apron will make it right. That's <laughs> their motto. We'll make it right. You'll make it right with Blue Apron. You'll always make it right because you're going to be a pro home chef. I don't even <laughs> know if that's comprehensible. Should I do a different voice for that part? I I like your Batman Blue Apron. You like it? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. You like yeah, this? It's good. Do you it's want a smell. piece of meat? <laughs> <laughs> Turn now to this list of foods that Blue Apron has told me that it offers that I want. Seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers. Squash is one of those foods that I have no idea where even to start cooking it. So the idea of having a recipe card and pre-proportioned squash could open up whole new squash fields of food to me. Because I don't know how to cook squash. 
Fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and cubanelle pepper. I don't even know what a cubanelle pepper is. Chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach? Oh my god. Oh god. It's getting hungry here. Chili okay. butter. Same. I'm, I, yeah. It's dinner time yeah. for me as Is it chili butter this. or chili butter steaks? I'm Googling this. Blue Apron, help me out here. Blue Apron, chili butter steak. I'm going to find out. Oh, it looks like it's chili butter. Oh. Thank that you, really Blue Apron. That really sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it really does sound good. All right, well, keep an eye on that one. Actually, you don't have to keep an eye on it. You could keep your mouth on it. Uh, you could go <laughs> to blueapron.com, check out this week's menu, and get three meals free with your first purchase, including free shipping. Blueapron.com slash rocket. There's no weekly commitment, so you choose how many deliveries you want. You choose what recipes you want in that delivery, what food you want in that delivery. Then, boom, you have meals, meals for days, an X amount of days, however many days you want. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. You'll love learning how to cook squash and what a Cuban health pepper is. You can get started today at blueapron.com rocket. Thank you so much, Blue Apron, for supporting Rocket and Relay FM. Their actual motto is a better way to cook. <laughs> Definitely, that was uh, that. I mean, they asked me to to do it they, in that voice. I don't know why. It, they, I don't question. You know, when somebody says, "Give me your Batman," I say, "You've got it, boss." That's <laughs> definitely what Blue Apron wanted from me. Yeah. Wow. Glow. What did you realize you were different, Simone? Honestly, (laughs) it was when I started doing the show and you guys were like, you're weird. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I never knew. (laughs) I I grew up in a a vacuum sealed tube and never my weirdness was never exposed to the world until a very ripe old age. So please never change. I can't now. For real, never change. I've crystallized like this. (laughs) <laughs> like a beautiful moth um <laughs> glow it's a netflix oh television show <laughs> it's uh-huh. so good right okay it's really okay. good i've only seen one episode yeah. and i'm already really liking it context okay christina, actually christina yeah tell me what you thought yeah okay no christina should first. give the context yeah. and she yes. has just started yes. watching this show i've yeah. just started watching the show so it takes place in the early 80s i think it's early 80s right uh, mm-hmm. It seems to be early '80s in Los Angeles, and you see um, it starts. It's it, the protagonist is Ruth, and she's um, from the Midwest. She's trying to make it as an actress. She's not succeeding at all. Every part she goes for, you know, she she's not getting. Sucks. And she uh, finds her way to an audition that is is not porn because that was first an option, but uh, but 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 as Glow, which is glamorous ladies of gorgeous wrestling. Ladies of wrestling. Gorgeous, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And so, um, and and she, you know, from from that point forward, uh, you know, you can kind of tell what direction the show is going to go into, where it's going to be, you know, a women's wrestling league based show. And so I've only seen the pilot. I don't want to spoil anything, but it was it's really good. Um Allison Bree, who uh you will know from community and also from um Mad Men is oh my God, uh, so the star. She totally looks very different. I it took me three episodes of being like, this is a what a she kind of looks like Kristen Wiig in this, but 
obviously wasn't Kristen Wiig. So I was just like, all right, what a co- great new comedian they found for the show. And then I looked it up and I was like, wait a friggin' minute. That's Alison Brie, known, well-known actress who has been in many things that I have seen with my own two eyes. Well, it's, it's, it's funny. The show has a couple of Mad Men alums. It has her and it has the guy, what was his name? Um, Harry Crane. So the guy who played Harry, who is the TV uh, digital guy uh, on Mad Men, is also in the show. And um, there's some other actors and actresses, too. Most of them I'm not that, that familiar with, them, if I'm totally um, honest. Uh, I, I knew her, but you're right. She totally looks very different. Like, it is not one of those things where, like, this does not look like Alison Brie at all. But uh, she's great in it so far, and the show seems really good and really fun. Mark Marin is also uh, oh starring God. in it. Mm-hmm. So yes. he, he plays, great. like, kind of the casting guy who's kind of running this whole thing. You know, he seems like he was kind of like a, a regular uh, director. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. So um, the thing I liked, I think, the most about this show, like, I went into it. It had been recommended to me. I knew I'd probably enjoy it. And I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But it got better as I kept watching yeah, it. And definitely. Like, even a couple, even the day that I was going to go home and marathon the end of it, I was like, this show is fine. I guess you could watch it if you want. And then I went and I finished it with every episode that I watched. I was like, no, it's good. It's good. It's getting better. Now it's a great show. And it, it's just really great. Um, and the episodes are actually short. It's not a it's not a full hour long show. It's like it wavers, doesn't it? I, I remember looking yeah, at it this. Yeah, wavers. Yeah, I know the pilot was like 36 minutes. So yeah. it kind of feels... But what's nice about it, it kind of feels like this is how long a show would be if it were made for cable TV mm-hmm. um, and, and not, say, HBO, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the commercial time. But yet, it, it it is definitely a cable show. There is nudity. There is bad language. Very, so be, be, very be aware nudity. of that. There, there, there's definitely nudity. So, like, definitely, like... Oh, there's like, a lot of nudity in the pilot. <laughs> like, you're like... Yeah, yeah. I was wow, very surprised, Alice actually. Really, really decided to go for it. I know. I was like, really surprised yeah. by that. Like, she and I are, like, the exact same age. And it was one of those weird things. I was like, damn, girl, get it. Um, because I'm feeling old, and and she oh. the body still looks really good. So like, oh, she's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they make her kind of look ugly in it. Although I think you know, in some of the previews of stuff, you see that they will make her more attractive. But yeah, but right. They, de- they definitely go out of their way to like make her more homely. She's not a homely girl at all. Okay, uh, I've then- stared at her makeup for the entire first season. And for the life of me, I can't figure out what they did to her to make Neither her not look like Alison Brie anymore. I'm looking it's at not pictures. Eyeliner. I don't understand it. It's not her hair. It's part of. It's I, they changed her face somehow. They changed her face. Yeah. I think it was some. I think yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it was like low lights and and certain uh, things just making her eyes look more hollow. I think is the big thing. Usually they play up her eyes, and in this case, it's kind of playing them down. But you're right. It, it's. I mean, and I don't want to compare this because she certainly doesn't look like this. But you know, kind. Kind of like how they made um uh you know Charlize Theron is like the most beautiful woman in the world right, right. but if you watch Monster no <laughs> um, and it's, it's definitely not one of those things where you know they had to literally Charlize Theron had to be in in the makeup chair for hours and hours every day uh so that she would look ugly I don't want to say that because Allison Brie's not ugly in this she just doesn't look like herself you know if, if you're used to her from Annie from Community or her character. Um, now I can't think of her, the, the, her character's name, but uh, she was uh, what's his face's wife on Mad Men. 
then um, like this is not going to be the Allison Brie you're thinking of. I'm putting photos no, in the show notes because I am Google image searching her right now and it's honestly shocking. <laughs> there will be no so new I, photos in the comments though. No, no, no. But the there's a right. lot of topless Allison in this show. In yes. Pilot. In this show yeah. there's a, in the yeah. pilot. Yeah. Which is all yeah. I've seen. And I bet probably through more of the show, but yeah, there's a, can we talk about the elephant in the room, which is 1980s leotards? Oh my god, yeah. it's they so uncomfortable. Oh Did my people god. actually wear those in the eighties? Yes. Why? Have you never seen the physical video? I've Olivia seen it. John's but physical? Like, there's so many people wearing these tiny, Fonda, tiny leotards. Jane, Jane Fonda, uh, 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 jazzercise, like. I assumed yeah, it was just the like a, the people who were in the videos thing. I didn't know that people like attended workout classes in these horrendous. Oh, yeah tight leotards that would require you to wax absolutely every part of your body to be into com- you would have to glue it to your skin oh, yeah. to make sure it's that it didn't go up inside yeah. you i mean yeah I, I i you have to think though and also this was a time before thongs were like commonplace oh so you know what i mean like so i don't even know What's like how people are doing here the underwear with these things i'm with you I mean, I, I was I think too what's little so in the 80s. uncomfortable about this show is there's so much wrestling and like crouching and bending over in the 80s leotards, and it just gets more and more awkward as it goes on. So, so I'm upsetting. right there with you, Simone. Yeah. yeah, if you can't handle Ooh. women in leotards yeah. doing risky maneuvers, don't watch this show. Yeah, you don't want to see that. <laughs> if you can't handle Ooh. extended sequences of working out in tiny, tiny leotards that boggle the mind. Well, it makes what well, well, I'm really looking forward to binging the best of this because I really liked the pilot. But what this makes me kind of want to watch again is uh, the Darren Aronofsky film, The Rustler. Oh, yeah. yeah I read a Wikipedia yeah. article about that film, which is which is really good um, with a Marissa Tomei and Mickey work. Anyway, love uh, her. Now I now now I want to watch the wrestler. Like it kind of reminds me that that was also kind of that was that was a former eighties like glory guy who you know is like more modern day. But anyway, just got me thinking about about us the other wrestling. It made films. me interested in wrestling also, which a lot of my friends and people online are into. So. Yeah, same. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a lot of my friends are into it too. I was invited to a WWE match at and and Barclays. Uh, a couple months ago and I really wanted to go and then I had a deadline and I couldn't go oh, and no. I was sad yeah because I would have had but, like I, mean, I would have I would have been in the box like the WWE invited me like I would have bet oh like, my god I, Christina you I missed know. it you I missed did. it so the the fun of this show though and like the 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 thing the hook of this show is it's not just 80s music and 80s characters and like 80s drama and 80s bad makeup. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that makes a show something you can't turn your eyes away from is it's simultaneously so degrading and empowering for the women doing it. So mm-hmm. like in the third uh in the third episode of it, they've got uh the actress that played Knives Chow in Scott Pilgrim, and she's out there doing the most painful horrible, embarrassing, cringeworthy Asian stereotype because, 
like if you look at the actual videos from Glow, like it just starts off with stuff that today the internet would just be on fire with how racist it was. Yeah. So, but at the same time, like it opens with her like reading a man's part uh, for a play because like everything else is like a secretary answering a phone. So it, that's that's the fun of the show is it's so degrading, but they find their strength in it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's also it's really I think. It hits that part of my brain that likes to watch people work really hard to improve at something. And none of these women have ever done wrestling before, or with one exception. But but you watch them, like, try really hard to figure out how to be good at it because they have to make a television show where they're actually wrestling and sell that to people, like, make them believe that it's real. And so that's just, like, my, my ideal arc right there is watching people with no experience get really, really good at something. You guys, I just figured out what makes her look so different. Tell what me. makes Alison Brie look so different. They, 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 they changed her eyebrows. I said that. Is I that said it? they made her eyebrows thicker. But I, I feel like that's not everything that they did. That's not everything they did, but I think that's the big thing. Yeah, they the, made eyebrows them. And the, the eyebrows and the nude lip, I think, go a really long way. Yeah. I've, I've always scary. said the eyebrows are the key to the face. Yeah, the eyebrows are definitely a key. Yeah. They're very important. Take care of your brows. All right. What are we up to this week? <laughs> Taking I think care I'm watching of my brows Glow obsessively. Again. <laughs> yeah, after this. Uh, what am I doing this week? I'm fundraising, guys. It's so much fun. Woo. It's great. I love it. It's awesome. Fundraising. Yeah. Let you put the fun in fundraising. You knew where I was going with that one. Christina, what are you up to? So, okay, for people who've been asking, the newsletter still hasn't launched. I'm still trying to investigate things. I'm also trying to pack because I move in a week and a half. And so that's kind of consuming me. I will finally have all my stuff. Oh, yay. Wait, you're moving uh, into an apartment or a house? Into an apartment. Yes. So we're moving to Capitol Hill. And uh, so that's very exciting. Um, And uh, so you're trying to figure out, okay, what what cable provider do we go for? What, uh, What internet provider don't worry, Simone uh, and Christina will be giving you logins, presuming I have them to share. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, very soon. So your, 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 your TV will be back. I tried to watch a movie on HBO the other day. And let me tell you, my friend, I, my day was derailed. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> I I'm mean, very my sorry. aunt, my familial relation that I depend on in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for for many things. Yeah, no, I um I I definitely uh um uh I'm sorry about that, but I'm also sorry. Do not for be sorry. Yes. Because we, we've I all have, suffered. I, I, I I've been able to watch HBO. I like I'm paying extra money to like the the company that we're we're in the temporary housing. I like I'm paying them an extra forty dollars a month just so I can do oh showtime in HBO. God, Christina. Oh my god. Christina. You are an I mean, animal. You guys, like it's, it's I know fine. that Twin Peaks is on. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you make that Microsoft money. <laughs> you got all the cable. Um, Bria, no, you already said fundraising. You said I'm fundraising. You yes. are, yes. And I, yeah, I'm doing other stuff. I just sure can't you remember are. it right now. Yeah. So. No. What are what about you, Simone? What what what, what what's happening on, in the land of SEO play? The SEO plays on season two hiatus right now, but I have if all goes well on Thursday. We will. I will have a new series launching, which I love to death. I actually cried laughing while recording it, and then I cried laughing 
watching myself crying laughing when I was watching the rough cut. And then since then, I have been unable to watch that particular part without laughing. I don't cry anymore. But, you know, that's we all move forward with our lives after being hurt by things uh, that made us laugh cry. So please, I believe me, I will be tweeting it out everywhere. Um, it We're just like finalizing some branding stuff right now. So if the branding oh. all gets in place, there will be a new show on Thursday. You heard it here this first. Is, wow. Because we've so made no promises anywhere else. Thank you. I'm super, super excited. This one has been in the works oh for God. so long. I, I remember when you were thinking about applying to Polygon me and too. Christina and had to talk you into it. <laughs> you didn't have like, to talk me it. into it. Yeah, I applied yeah. before I even got laid off from Pixelkin. I, I asked That's you about true. GameSpot when I was applying oh, to GameSpot because oh, that was earlier. That's right. Okay, That's sorry. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, it's okay. I got all they're, confused. Yeah. All those game websites, they're the same. No, they're not. No, they're not. You're right. So, You're right. Oh, my gosh. I'm doing a little a cheeky motion right now. Um, <laughs> wow. Where can I find you online, Christina Warren? Well, you can find me on uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Stories, uh, Twitter, et cetera, at film underscore girl. And I got to say, I've been using, especially on the weekends, I've been using Instagram Stories a lot. So if anybody wants to see my adventures, like driving to Western Washington, not Western, driving to Central Washington uh, on Saturday and then back on Sunday, um, it, it, that's that's fun. Your no. Instagram uh, stories and my rich ass French cousin's Instagram stories are the only ones that I care about, and I think everyone else should be banned from using Instagram stories. There are too many of wow. them to watch every day. There are so many of them, and so I know it's a lot to ask, but but they they are uh, they are fun. So yes, film underscore girl on the, the the Twitter, the Snap, the the Facebook, the Gram. Well, the Facebook is not; it's different. But but you can find me on Facebook fairly easily. Uh, but the Twitter, the Instagram, the Snapchat. Short, Brianna. Uh, you can find me on uh, YouTube, refreshing the page until I get Simone singing One Wing Angel. Uh, and you can, also, you can also see me on Twitter at Space Cat Cow or on the Facebook machine at developer Brianna Wu. Uh, the Rocket listener that wrote me to let me know how hard it was to find my uh, account on Facebook. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. You can find me on youtube.com slash Simone Sings on One Wing Wingle. One Wing Wingle. <laughs> <laughs> on twitter.com slash Doom Quasar and youtube.com slash Polygon. As always, thank you for lending your ears to Rocket. And now I ask you to lend your fingers once more to the cause. You know what you could do? Make a text expander snippet for leaving really good podcast reviews and then use Ooh. that. That's an idea. I'm pitching this to text expander. You should. That's a good idea. But in the meantime, use your fingers like a cave person and write a nice ass review. I mean, a nice review to be appreciated by my <laughs> nice eyes. <laughs> this episode is terminated very terminated <laughs> terminated whoop <laughs> <laughs>